So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word, because it is good, and because it is right, and it is the best. And so, Father, at this time, would you open our hearts and our minds, would you speak to us? We're listening. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. When I was in seminary, I was working as an intern at a church. I was doing junior high and college-age ministries, quite a diversity. And uh, the children's sermon was always this really big part of every Sunday morning worship service. The church relied on volunteers to come and lead those things. And i got to tell you, I wish that... I don't knock that over. I wish that our children's staff here was working with us back then because a lot of those messages were bad. I mean, really bad. This one Sunday, a veterinary doctor and his wife uh, came and they wanted to teach the kids the importance about reading the Bible. And so he had on, he was dressed in his white hospital jacket, she was dressed up as a nurse. In his hand, he had this cage with a cat in it. And she had a syringe. It gets worse. Because he took the cat out of the cage, and as he did, the cat is hissing and clawing at all these kids that are kind of watching the children's sermon. We are like this cat, he said. And you know what's coming. So did all those kids who at this point are sort of climbing over each other to get away from this cat. We need to be vaccinated with God's Word and keep us from getting sick. <laughs> Just so sappy. And then she said, reading the Bible is like giving this cat a shot because it keeps us healthy. <laughs> really? And then she takes that syringe and sticks it in the cat who screams and then moans as they put him back in the cage. I have seen weird stuff in the church over the years of my ministry, but that one, right close to the top. Everyone in church that morning just sat there frozen, paralyzed by what they had just seen. I can't find a single passage in the Bible that even remotely suggests that reading God's Word is like getting a big needle stuck in your arm. I'm glad they didn't give the cat to me, because I would have just let it go, you know, sort of let it be free which is actually more like what God wants for us anyway. He wants us to be free, to experience more of His power, His life, His love, in ways that change us. We're going through this sermon series we call Invited. God invites us into a relationship with Himself. And uh, that relationship changes us, makes our lives fuller, richer, better. But for many of us, life today feels a lot like life did yesterday. We're struggling with the same old stuff, and we're just kind of wondering where that fuller, richer life uh, is. Like it may be some nice idea or pie-in-the-sky dream, but it's really not a reality that we're experiencing. What we need is a way, a way to this life that Jesus promises. The spiritual practices are uh, what that's all about. They're a way for us to experience Jesus' life. Doing things on a regular basis, like reading and studying the Bible. Now, the history of these practices has been a little sketchy at times, quite honestly. There have been periods in history when um, people focused more on the practice than they did on Jesus. Like in the Middle Ages, the people back then, they developed this kind of extreme Christianity, 
where like people would stay up for days and days without going to sleep, like that was spiritual or something. And then other people would build these sort of small wood platforms and put it up on a post way up high in the air, and they'd live on that thing for years and years and years. And all day and all night then, they'd face the constant pressure of having to make a decision about whether to sit, stand, or lie down on this little platform. Or then, there was this. Take a look. I've always been looking for a reason to show Monty Python at church, you know. <laughs> Thanks for entertaining me. <laughs> the spiritual practices can seem irrelevant at times. One time uh, Scott was sharing with us that uh, he has a friend that told him uh, that the Bible can tell us how to build an ark and destroy a city with trumpets, but there's not a single word in there about how to date a girl or ask her out on a date. The Bible has been published in more languages than any other book in history. The New Testament alone has been translated into 2,527 languages. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, this, is the most, uh, uh, this has been sold uh, more than any other book in all of history. There are lots and lots of books about learning how to read and study the Bible. You, um, books like uh, Reading the Bible for All It's Worth or Manners and Customs of the Bible. That's a catchy title, isn't it? Manners and Customs of the Bible. Or Teaching Toddlers How to Read the Bible. My favorite, though, for those of you who are reality TV junkies, is The Bad Girls of the Bible. And that's in our library, so you could just rush right out of here, pick that one up after the service. Of all the spiritual practices, reading and studying the Bible is the one that has engaged and changed my life more than any other. Now, there are a lot of good reasons for studying and reading the Bible, and this morning I just want to give you three of those. The first one is this, that we can trust it. We can trust what it says. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That means God chose to use real people like Moses and David, Peter and Paul, and he spoke directly through those guys using the language they were speaking at the time, the historical events that they were going through, and the culture that they were part of. God used all that to say the exact things that God wanted said. Now, each of those people were so much under the influence of the Holy Spirit that God inspired them to write exactly what God wanted them to write. God was able to use their writing style, and He was able to use their personal experiences to say what He wanted to say. Now, that is what we mean when we say all Scripture is God-breathed. It is inspired. Now, when I was in college, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, bought me this book uh, on Bible studies. And the first one that I came to was uh, studying the Gospel of Mark. 
I didn't, I'd never studied the Bible before, and, uh, you know, the kind of the routine was you'd read this passage, answer two or three questions, I could do that, seemed pretty easy, and then move on. Well, one of the first stories that I read about was a story about the birth of Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem. And the context behind that is, you may remember, Jesus, uh, um, Caesar Augustus had issued this decree throughout his entire kingdom, uh, which meant that uh, every citizen had to go back to their hometown and register with the government. So Joseph and Mary, they left Nazareth, where they were living at the time, and they went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's hometown, and that's where Jesus was born. Now, I knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem because I'd sang that catchy little tune, Little Town of Bethlehem, lots and lots of times. But then I read Micah 5.2. And in Micah 5.2, Micah predicts that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So apparently Micah knew that too. It's just that Micah predicted that 750 years before Jesus was born. That amazed me. I'd never experienced anything like that before. One of the proofs that this Bible is inspired and that we can trust it is the fulfillment of prophecy. There are hundreds and hundreds of fulfilled prophecies in this book, just like the one that I just mentioned. There's also lots of archaeological evidence which verify the historical accuracy of the Bible, that the people and events and circumstances, the places that, they actually, that it refers to actually happened. It took 1,500 years to write this book using 40 authors, and it happened on three different continents. It's filled with characters and cities and, which really existed and prophecies which were really fulfilled in history with one single unifying message from cover to cover. You can call this book a lot of things, but what you cannot call it is fiction or curious literature or the religious creation of some overzealous followers of Jesus. The Bible is not just another book. It is the inspired, absolutely reliable, historically verifiable, true Word of God. And we can trust it. Now the second reason for reading the Bible and studying it is is this. That God speaks directly to us through this word, through the Bible. See, the Bible presents itself as this living communication between a personal God and you and me. God spoke to all the authors who are in this book and He speaks to us now through their words. God isn't silent which means that we don't show up on this earth without answers to questions about who we are, what life is about, or where this is all going, or how life works best. God speaks. He communicates with us. And He does that in a book that we can hold in our hands. Now, many people think that this book, the Bible, is just simply a rule book for right living, right? Like from cover to cover, it's just simply about all the stuff that we have to do to make God happy with us. But the truth is, the Bible isn't about that at all. It's not about what we have to do. It's about what God has done for us. Because we we can't seem to follow all the rules. And because we, we have this spirit in us that is prone to wander. What we need is a rescuer, a savior. So the central message of this book is about a God who seeks us out, searches until he finds us, 
never gives up on us, even when we give up on Him. He is a lover, even when we're not sure what we want. He is a lovesick father who will stop at nothing to win back his sons and his daughters because all he wants is a real relationship with us. Now, some of you today may be facing an important decision. You're not sure what you're going to do. It may be about a relationship you're in. It may be about a circumstance, a situation, you're, uh, something you're doing or something you're thinking about doing. The Bible is remarkably clear about a lot of stuff. It really is. There's a lot of answers in here. Now, sometimes our issue, though, isn't that we don't know what to do. Our issue is we don't do what we know. We don't like what God's Word says. So what we tend to do then is search somewhere else for someone or something that will give us the answer that we want. But if we can trust this Word, and if God is truly speaking to us through this Word, then i got to tell you, life works best when we do what it says. I was recently talking with someone who was uh, just really not getting along with his best friend. Neither one of them knew how it started. Someone said something, and, and then other people got involved, and pretty soon they couldn't even look at each other. Anybody ever been there? My, I've been there. <laughs> just thought I'd tell you that. So, well, one day this guy was reading, uh, reading the Bible, and he came across 2 Corinthians where uh, Paul is pleading with the Christians back then to be reconciled with one another. And it was like, he told me, like God was speaking right to him. And he knew that he needed to go to his friend and see if he could reconcile the relationship with him. So he did. He went to his friend. His friend agreed that they needed to reconcile the relationship. And what they chose to do was to select a, a qualified mediator who could sit down in the room with them and kind of help them work this thing out. And let me tell you, it was hard because each one of them heard things that they didn't want to hear, but that they really needed to hear. They each confessed some stuff. They each asked for forgiveness for stuff that they'd done wrong. And uh, I got to tell you, it's not like everything just sort of magically worked itself out on that particular day, but they kept on being honest with each other and they kept on asking forgiveness from one another for the weeks and the months that followed. And it was a lot of hard work. But because they trusted God's word and they listened to what God was saying to them, their friendship got healed. And they're good friends today. We read and we study this Bible because we can trust what it says and because God is speaking to us through this word. A third reason for regularly reading and studying the Bible is simply this. It will change your life. It will change your life. It makes us different people. Now, many of us are being held back by destructive thought patterns or habits that we're involved in or, you know, that just continually fill our head and tell us that we're a failure, we're stupid, or we're unlovable. And these thought patterns, they may have started from a real experience in our lives, but the enemy of our souls is using those things to defeat us. He's using them against us to defeat us, to wreck our relationship with Jesus, to disable us from making any contribution to God's kingdom advance. I don't know what lies you are struggling with today, lies that have shaped you or lies that have scarred you, lies that um, have, have written the script of your life. But what I do know 
is the power of God's Word to break them, to reveal them as the lies that they are, and to renew our mind by replacing old thought patterns with the truth of who you were meant to be. So make it personal. God's Word breaks the lie that you are unlovable. 1 John 1.3 says, How great is the love the Father has for me, that I should be called a child of God, and that is what I am. God's Word breaks the power of uh, the lie that says you have blown all your chances. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God's Word breaks the power that says, and the lie that says we will fail. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord Himself goes before me, and He is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I will not be afraid. I will not be discouraged. The Bible is filled with assurances and promises which do battle with destructive thought patterns and habits in our lives. So memorizing Scripture, uh, replaying it over and over and over again in your mind, lets God break the power of those lies over you. And it sets you free to live the life that God created you for. The Bible, it can change your marriage. The Bible can change your relationships with friends or with family or with kids. The Bible can give you a sense of purpose in your life. The Bible can give you peace with yourself. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time. But after a while, the more you read this book and you let these words sink in, life just starts to look different. Life starts to feel different. A lot like the life Jesus promised us. The fuller, richer, better life of Jesus. So I want to give you a couple of things that would just kind of get you started this morning. Or maybe if you are going, might just help you uh, tune it up a little bit. And the first one is this. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. See, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a friend, He's a counselor, He's a teacher. So ask for His help. And the prayer doesn't have to be any more complicated than this. Just simply pray, Holy Spirit, help me understand what I'm reading. The end. Second, develop a plan. If you have never done this before, you might want to start in the Gospel, like Mark or John. Uh, if you're looking for a bigger step, you might want to consider something like the one-year Bible, which is basically a reading plan that will take you through the whole of the Bible in a year. Or you may want to memorize some scripture, like a verse or some, uh, a, a passage, or, or maybe even a book in the Bible. You will be amazed at what you are able to do if you really are serious about it. Set yourself up for success and be realistic about your plan. Maybe you just start with 10 minutes, like five minutes to read and five minutes to write stuff down and to think about it. You can always add more time to your plan, but the key is to choose a plan that you can succeed at. The third piece is this, let the Bible read you. That seems a little odd to say it that way, let the Bible read you, but uh, I got to tell you, a shift happened in my own Bible reading when I stopped just writing down answers to questions that other people were asking me and instead just kind of read a passage and sat in it 
and soaked in it, just kind of reflected on it and meditated on it. So asking the Spirit, Holy Spirit to help you, read through a Bible passage. And then um, just as you're reading through it, being sensitive to a word or a phrase that might just kind of jump up at you and speak to you. Then write that word or that phrase down and focus your attention on it. Then ask yourself, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? And why did this word or phrase jump up? What is God inviting you to through this word or this phrase? What is God saying to you about your habits or your desires or about what you're doing or why you're doing those things, your motivations? Or if that feels awkward, you know, as you're kind of going through that and, 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 and you're just kind of feeling awkward with it, then, then ask yourself three questions. What does this passage say? What does it mean? And how does it apply to my life? And just kind of trust in the Holy Spirit there as you write stuff down. But that's letting the Bible read you instead of sort of just asking, letting someone else ask you questions about what it means. Last, stick with your plan. Uh, You've got to make the plan a priority in your life. This church has a whole bunch of stuff to help you with reading and studying the Bible. One of our tools is the online tool, Monvi. You've probably heard about it a little bit as we've gone through this series. Monvi can help you develop a personalized plan that is right for you in reading and studying the Bible. You could also check out some of the resources in the library. If the 9 o'clock service hasn't got it, Bad Girls of the Bible is right there in the library waiting for you. you know. Or go to the Wednesday night Bible study, the Bible plain and simple. Or uh, sign up for a small group. Or talk with a pastor and kind of ask for their help because we would love to help you kind of move into this reading and studying the Bible. I recently heard about a woman who um, felt like God was inviting her to start a tutoring program for homeless families. See, their kids were falling through the cracks and she wanted to help get them caught up in school. Well, the more she read the Bible, the more she felt like God was speaking directly to her to start up this tutoring program, this tutoring ministry. But she didn't have any money, and she didn't know how to get started at all. Well, there was this writer's conference that was going on at the time, and they were running a contest, uh, an essay contest, that the winner of the essay would get to go to this writer's conference for free. So she wrote an essay about this tutoring program, even though she didn't know how to get it started. And uh, the, the, the kind of the leaders of this conference, they loved the essay. So they asked her to write up a business plan, kind of detailing out the various needs that this particular uh, program would need. Well, uh, then they flew her down for the conference. But the conference turned out to be a whole lot more than she thought. Because on the last day of the conference, the organizers passed out her business plan to everybody who was there that day. And then... They asked anybody with professional skills that could potentially help this woman in her ministry to sort of write down their contact information on a card and then give it to her. And the last thing they did was give her a check for a small amount of money that ended up allowing her to quit her job, trusting that God would provide the rest of the resources she needed. Well, uh, she made contacts with professionals all over the country ended up starting a tutoring center in two major cities in this country, all within the first year. It's pretty amazing. Reading the Bible, it helped her hear God speaking to her about starting a tutoring ministry. It also gave her the courage to 
step into this thing, even though she didn't know how to get it started. And it gave her the courage to resign from her job and trust that God would provide the resources in order to get things going. Her hard work and God's provision, well, as a result of that, kids' lives are being changed and they're no longer falling through the cracks. The Bible is more than an ordinary book. Through it, God speaks directly to you and to me. The main storyline is about a father who never gives up on an all-out rescue effort to win back his lost sons and his daughters. Every story in this book, from beginning to end, whispers the name of the one and only one able to rescue us. Jesus is the fullest expression of the love of our Heavenly Father. He is our champion. He is our Savior. He is the Son who came to die for us and set us free from sin and guilt and shame and all the lies that wreck us and hold us back. At the end of this book and in the end, Jesus wins and God wins and we win when the kingdom of our God becomes the kingdom of this world forever and ever and ever. This book took 1,500 years to write and it will take the rest of time in order for God to fulfill it. It's a love story. It's a nail-biting adventure. It is the true, totally trustworthy, entirely reliable Word of God. And it will change your life. So, Heavenly Father, would you speak to us through your Word? Would you help us to hear what you are saying? Holy Spirit, would you give us the courage to do what it says? We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.